We're going to be learning in Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi, the second piece in Olchus Tumas Ochlin. This is Parag Zayin Halacha Hey, and this is a very long, sprawling piece. And Rab Chaim touches on many themes throughout it. Primarily, he's discussing the distinction between Ashboren, which means water that's all gathered together as opposed to moving water. So he tries to explain the halachic differences between those two cases. He also gets involved with how much liquid is needed in order to have the status of liquid. He also discusses whether we apply good achis, that something on top is considered in the bottom when it comes to liquids. We do that for eruv and walls, but do we say it for liquids? He also discusses what's necessary in order to combine different liquids together. And there's a few other topics as well that he touches on throughout this long and difficult piece. The Rambam writes, Hanitzok eno chibor. Nitzok means when someone pours from one vessel into the other. So there's a connection between those two vessels because the liquid has a column as it's being poured. So that's called nitzok. So the Rambam rules that that is not considered a connection. So let's say someone was pouring from a Tahor vessel into a Tameh vessel, even though they're connected through this column of liquid, the liquid in the original Tahor vessel does not become Tameh. And the flip side as well, if someone pours from a Tameh vessel into a mikvah, so the liquid that's touching the mikvah is becoming Tahor, but that does not transform the liquid in the original Tameh vessel and make it tahor. So nitzuk is not considered a connection. The chen hakatafres. So this is a similar issue when someone pours liquid down a slope. So as it's going down, it's connecting the top and the bottom. That's called katafres, and that's also not considered a connection. Now the Rambam adds into this case another idea, which is mashket tofeach. There are two levels of moisture in halacha. One is mashket tofeach, which means that it's a little moist, but if you touch it, your hand does not get wet enough to make something else wet. Then there's tofeach lahatpiach, which means that it's more wet. So when your hand touches it, it gets wet enough, there's enough moisture on it, that if your hand touches something else, that also becomes moist. So the Rambam puts these two things together. There's a slope with liquid on it, but it's so little liquid that it will not get something wet enough and transfer the wetness to another object. It's only So there's a very thin amount of liquid on there, not enough to be transferred to anything else. So in that case, the Rambam rules, Given that there are two weaknesses in this case, there's a slope as well as very little liquid, so it does not connect the liquid at the top and the bottom together. But if there's liquid that's just sitting in a puddle altogether, so that liquid it does connect everything to each other. So if part of the liquid becomes Tameh, the whole puddle becomes Tameh, and if part of the liquid connects with a mikveh and becomes Tahor, so it makes the rest of the liquid Tahor. So basically, a column of liquid that's being poured down as well as a slope of liquid, which according to the Rambam is also not enough moistness to transfer to something else. So those two cases are not a connection, but Ashboren
then a puddle of liquid that's all sitting together does connect all of the liquid inside together. Now, these halachas come from a Mishnah in Taharos at the end of the 8th chapter. It says, Anitzok v'akatafres umashka tofeach, einan chibor lolotumav lolotahara. The Mishnah has three cases. One is Nitzuk, the poured column. One is katafres, which is the slope. And one is mashka tofeach. The third case is if there's not enough liquid to transfer to another object. Only the hand that touches it or the first object that touches it becomes wet, but it won't make something else wet. So the Mishnah says in that case, such a small amount of liquid also will not connect two different groups of liquid together. So the Mishnah actually formulates this as three different cases. Nitzuk, Katafres, and then Mashke Tofeyach, whereas the Rambam changes this and he combines the last two cases together. That Katafres, that's Mashke Tofeyach, if it's on a slope and it's very little liquid, so then it does not connect the two parts together. So Rab Chaim asks, why did the Rambam only mention the leniency of Katafres only when it has very little liquid, the implication of the Mishnah is even if it's tofeach lahat piach, so there's a lot of liquid, enough that if someone touched it and then touched something else, the moisture would transfer, and still the Mishnah says that a katafres, a slope, does not connect the two different parts of the liquid together. So why is the Rambam limiting this only when there's very little liquid going down the slope, when the Mishnah implies even if there's a full stream of liquid going down the slope, it does not create a connection. So Rab Chaim explains that in fact, when the Rambam uses the phrase in this halacha, mashke tofeach, which ordinarily means that there's not enough liquid to transfer to the next object, it's as opposed to tofeach lahat piach, but the Rambam is not using it with that meaning. So the Rambam is not trying to exclude if there's a lot of liquid, he's just using the phrase mashke tofeach in an imprecise way. And the Rambam does this earlier in Tomas Ochlin Bey's Chavches. Again, he writes this phrase, Mashke Tofeach, in an imprecise way, because there the implication is very clear that there is enough liquid to transfer beyond the first object. So we see that the Rambam is not always using the phrase Mashke Tofeach as opposed to Tofeach Lat Piach. Sometimes he just uses that phrase to imply that there is liquid going down. So in this case as well, we shouldn't read into it. The Rambam writes mashke tofeach, but it just means that there's liquid going down the slope. So the Rambam is not disagreeing with the Mishnah. The Mishnah said that any amount of liquid going down a slope is not considered a connection. And the Rambam agrees with that as well. He was not trying to limit it only to when there's very little liquid. So we should take the phrase mashke tofeach without a lot of precision. But there's still a lingering issue, which is why didn't the Rambam in fact quote this halacha of mashke tofeach. The Mishnah has three cases where the liquid does not connect two different parts of liquid. The third of which was mashke tofeach. So even if it's not being poured out, even if it's not on a slope, even if it's sitting straight on the ground, but there's not enough liquid to be transferred beyond the first object, so the case of mashke tofeach, that also does not connect two different parts of liquid. And the Gemara in Gi'in on Tess Zion makes clear that the these are three different cases. So 
Hashke Tofeach independently on its own does not connect two different parts of liquid. So why did the Rambam quote the first two cases of the Mishnah and omit any mention of this third case? The way Rab Chaim is explaining this halacha in the Rambam, there is no mention of the Mashke Tofeach as opposed to Tofeach Lahat Piach idea anywhere in these halachas. Now even though the Rambam in Hilchus Mikvos chapter 11 does record this halacha with regards to washing hands, that if there's Mashke Tofeach, there's just a little bit of liquid, it does not connect two different parts of the hands together when they're washed. And that's the extension of this halacha in the Mishnah that the Gemara in Gitin discusses. So the Rambam does record that extension of the halacha, but still, why didn't he mention the original form of this halacha, that Mashke Tofeach does not connect two different liquids, both for Tumah as well as Tahara. So the Rambam never mentions the fundamental concept, he only mentions the extension of it when it comes to washing hands. So we're left with this question, why did the Rambam not record the third halacha of the Mishnah? So Rab Chaim wants to show that this halacha in the Mishnah is in fact a debate. That's one of the classic types of answers for the Rambam, that a halacha that seems obvious is in fact a debate. So that's why the Rambam rules against it. So the way Rab Chaim gets there is based on the Gemara in Gi'in Tazayin. Boi ilfa yadayim toros l'chatsoyin o ein toros l'chatsoyin. Ilfa had a question, can you purify your hands halfway? So the Gemara is unsure what exactly the case that he's talking about is. Does it mean you did one hand at a time? So the Gemara says that would clearly work. So instead, the case is when a person poured water over half of one of their hands. So they did not get their entire hand under the water, only half of it. So the Gemara asks, what's the question? Of course, that does not work. Rabbi says very clearly that you cannot purify half of your hand. The water has to go over the whole hand. So the Gemara explains, The case is where there's a little bit of liquid, not enough to transfer to something else, just so a very small amount of moisture on the part of the hand that was already washed. And then the person washed, the rest of their hand. So in this case, they washed half of their hand, then they dried it off, so there's only very little moisture left on that half, and then they wash the other half. So the question is, do the two parts of the hand combine through the very small amount of moisture, the mashke tofeach, does that combine the first half of the hand with the second half, so now the whole hand is purified? Meaning it's obvious to Ilfa that a person cannot purify half of their hand. The question though in this case is, do the two halves of the hand combine through the mashke tofeach? So the Gemara asks again from the Mishnah in Taharos that we saw earlier. It says very clearly that Mashke Tofeach Eino Chibor. If there's only a very small amount of moisture, it does not combine. So that seems to answer Ilfa's question right there. The two halves cannot combine with Mashke Tofeach. So the Gemara answers, It must be that in Ilfa's case, there's even more liquid. It's not Mashke Tofeach. It's Tofeach Lahat Piach. There's more liquid on there that it would Transfer, So that's what Ilfa is asking. In the case of Mashke Tofeach, the Mishnah says very clearly that it does not combine. But in the case of Tofeach Lat Piach, so then Ilfa wants to know if the two halves of the hand could combine. So the Gemara says, well, that's also obvious 
because the Brisa says very clearly, Tofeach Lat Piach Chibor, that Tofeach Lat Piach does combine. So again, there's no question here, certainly the two halves of the hand would combine if there's Tofeach Lat Piach. So the Gemara counters that maybe that Brisa is only referring to a mikvah, and it's the view of Rabbi Yehuda, because there's a Mishnah that records a debate between Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim in the case of a mikvah that has the exact minimum amount of water. So a mikvah requires 40 saw of water if there's a mikvah that has exactly that amount and not a drop more. So the halacha is if two people use the mikvah one after the other only the first person is purified but the second person is tame because when the first person comes out of the mikvah they take some of the water out with them right a person drips outside of the mikvah so now the mikvah is missing some of the water and there wasn't any water to spare to begin with so now there's not a measurement and the second person is not purified. Rabbi Yehuda Omer im hayu raglav shal rishon nogos b'mayim afasheni tahor. Rabbi Yehuda says that if the first person's leg is still touching the mikvah water, so some part of their body is touching the mikvah when the second person goes in, so then they're purified as well because since the first person is touching the mikvah with the water that's on them, it's all considered connected to the mikvah. So there's still forty saw in this. Mikvah. So Rabbi Yehuda is of the opinion that Tofeach Lahat Piach connects all the water together because the first guy that came out of the mikvah is dripping wet, so all the water on him still connects with the mikvah. But it sounds like the first view disagrees with that. So the brisa that says Tofeach Lahat Piach is a connection could be Rabbi Yehuda's opinion when it comes to a mikvah. But Ilfa is asking what would be the halacha in the case of hand washing. So Rab Chaim asks on this discussion in the Gemara, what is the debate between Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim of Mikvah have anything to do with the measurement of Tofeach Lahat Piach? Rabbi Yehuda never mentioned a word about that. The debate between Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim has to do with good achis, which means in halacha we see things that are above as if they go down. So there's a debate between Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim whether that applies to liquids. According to Rabbi Yehuda, it does. So all the liquids on the person's body is as if they're in the mikvah. So they're connected with the mikvah. It's like a case of katafres, a slope. And according to Rabbi Yehuda, even though a regular slope is not a chibor, this kind of slope of the person's body with the mikvah does connect all of the water. So the water on the person's body is as if it's in the mikvah. So that works because of good achis and the Chachamim disagree they don't apply good achis to the case of liquid. But that has nothing to do with tofeach lat piach. Nobody ever said that there has to be that measurement of dripping water on the person in order for the liquid to connect with the mikvah. So what is the Gemara doing connecting this debate with the brisa of tofeach lat piach that seems to be totally unrelated? Says Rab Chaim, we see from this line in the Gemara that there must be a basic distinction Distinction between the two key cases of Ashboren versus Katafres. When the water is Ashboren, it's all gathered together, so you don't need a chibor. You don't need to connect that water all together because the mere fact that it's all gathered in the same hole automatically connects it all together. It's all considered.
considered one entity of water. So there's no need to connect the water with each other. The only time there needs to be a chibor between the liquids is when it's katafres, it's on a slope. So there is a divide between the liquids. Some of the liquids are above and some below. So since there's a divide, they need to be connected in order to be considered one entity of water. But when it comes to Ashboren, there is no process of chibor at all because all the liquid that's gathered in that one hole is automatically considered one big entity. So whatever affects one part of the liquid is going to travel through the entire liquid. So that explains now the discussion in the Gemara. The Gemara is searching for a case when Tofeach Lat Piach applies when there's a measurement of necessary liquid in order to say that all the liquids are connected together. So that cannot be referring to Ashboren because in that case there is no Chibor. There is no process of connecting them. So of course you don't need Tofeach Lat Piach. Any amount of liquid, even less than Tofeach that's gathered together in one hole is automatically going to be connected. So the case of the Brisa cannot be Ashboren. So then we're left with the possibility that the Brisa is talking about a case of Katafres. So it's saying in order to connect two different liquids which are divided by a slope, so it needs tofeach lat piach in order to connect those liquids together. But that also is not going to work because we hold that nitzok and katafres are not a chibor. So a slope does not connect the liquids even if there is tofeach lat piach. So that also can't be the case of the brysa. So the Gemara says it must be that the case of the brysa is this unusual case of ilfa where a person washed half their hand. So that is an equivalent case of katafres. It's like a variation of a slope. But in that case, in fact, maybe there is a chibor. So that would be the case of the b'risa that tofeach lat piach applies. So now this would prove Ilfa's question that if someone washed half of their hand and then they wash the other half, so if there's tofeach lat piach on the first half, it connects all the halves together because that's the only possibility of what this b'risa could be referring to. So it must be that in that case, tofeach lat piach does work. So then the Gemara counters, no, there is another variation of katafres that also works. And that's Rabbi Yehuda's view of mikvah. Rabbi Yehuda holds that someone that's standing above a mikvah, that also connects the water on him with the mikvah. So again, this is a second unusual case where a slope does work and the waters are connected. So it could be that's what the Bryce is referring to when it says that you require tofeach lat piach. So even though Rabbi Yehuda himself never mentioned that requirement, but since we have a brysa that mentioned that requirement, so the Gemara is searching for when this measurement of tofeach lat piach could apply and create a chibor between the water. So we know it doesn't apply to ashboren because that doesn't need a connection of the water. We know it doesn't apply to katafres because that does not connect the different liquids. We tried the possibility of ilfa where half the hand was washed, but now the Gemara is saying, well, maybe it's referring to the case of Rabbi Yehuda, in which case we no longer have a proof to Ilfa's concept that if half the hand is washed, it connects with the other hand. Because it could be that this brysa is giving the measurement specifically in the case of mikvah, according to Rabbi Yehuda, but in the case of half a hand washed, it does not connect with the other half. So that's the way to understand this back and forth in the Gemara.
So according to Rab Chaim, the method of the Gemara is that it's trying to establish where this brisa of tofeach lat piach, where the measurement could possibly apply. The usual cases of Ashboren or Katafres are not going to work because Ashboren doesn't need any connection between the waters. So there can't be a measurement necessary to connect the water. So the Gemara comes up with these two unusual cases. At first it thought it has to be Ilfa's case and then it counters that maybe it's Rabbi Yehuda's case. So this is why even though Rabbi Yehuda never said anything about Tofeach Lat Piach, the Gemara is reading it into his approach in order to explain the Brisa. So now, if this is the way to understand the Gemara, so this answers why the Rambam omitted this whole discussion. Because the Rambam rules against Rabbi Yehuda in Hilchos Mikvos, Parak Ches, Halacha Ches, and Halacha Yud Beis. So the Rambam rules like the Chachamim that a person above a Mikvah does not connect the water on them with the Mikvah. So that's not the case of Tofeach Lat Piach. Ashboran and Katafres are also not the case. So the only possible application of this brisa is the case of Ilfa, which in fact the Rambam did record in Hilchos Mikvos. So there is no other application of the measurement of Tofeach Lat Piach, which is why the Rambam does not mention it when he's recording these halachas. So according to Rab Chaim's analysis, Tofeach Lat Piach is not a fundamental concept the way Nitzok and Katafres are. That's why the Rambam omits the third case in the Mishnah. Now the Mishnah mentioned it because it follows the view of Rabbi Yehuda. So there is a case where Tofeach Lat Piach is a Chibor. So that's why it made sense to mention it in the Mishnah. But the Rambam who rules like the Chachamim, so he doesn't mention it at all because it's irrelevant to regular cases of Chibor if all the water is Ashbor and it's gathered together. So then it does not need Tofeach Lat Piach. And if it's Katafres, so that anyways isn't going to work as the Rambam himself ruled. So there is no fundamental application of this halacha, again, except for the one case of Ilfa with half the hand, and that the Rambam mentioned. So Rab Chaim's explanation of the Gemara answers why the Rambam omitted this whole halacha, because he rules like the Chachamim against Rabbi Yehuda. Now, in the Or Olam edition of Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim Alevi, they quote in the back a marginal comment from Dayan Yisrael Yaakov Fisher, and he asks what seems to me like a very basic question on Rab Chaim's whole analysis. Rab Chaim's acting like there's only four cases to discuss here. Either Ashboren or Katafres or the two variations of Katafres, the half a hand of Ilfa or standing over the mikvah of Rabbi Yehuda. But in fact, there's a very simple fifth case which would seem to negate this whole analysis. And that is when there are two puddles of water that are next to each other horizontally. So that would connect if there's Tofeach Lat Piach between the two of them. Only a katafres, a slope, does not connect the water above and the water below. But if they're on the same level, they're horizontal with each other, so then they should be connected by water in the middle. And that water would need to be tofeach lat piach. So this seems to be a very simple case where you do require this measurement, even according to the chachamim, according to everybody. And why didn't the Gemara just say that that's the simple explanation of when the Bryce's tofeach lat piach requirement applies? When there are two two puddles of water next to each other, but not on a slope horizontally. So only if the water in the middle is tofeach lat piach, they're considered connected. So this seems to me like a very strong question on Rab Chaim. But again, in Rab Chaim's analysis, this is not one of the cases. There's either Ashboren or Katafres or the variations of Katafres, but two puddles disconnected horizontally is not one of the cases that's included in his possibility of cases. 
Now in the third paragraph, Rab Chaim raises an objection to this based on a different interpretation of the Gemara. And he begins with a question that Tosfos asks. The Gemara said that in order to combine water with the mikvah water, it needs to be tofeach lat piach. So Tosfos asks that we already have a measurement necessary to combine water with mikvah water, which is kishvoferes hanud. It has to be the opening of the size of a bottle. Then the water combines with the mikvah water. So how can the Gemara here be giving a different measurement necessary in order to combine water with the mikvah? So to answer this, Rab Chaim goes to another question asked by the Rash. The Mishnah in the sixth chapter of Mikvah says, If there's two mikvahs, one on a higher level than the other, and the water in the higher one is disqualified from being mikvah water because it's she'uven. It was drawn in vessels before it went into the mikvah. The water in the mikvah has to come straight from nature, it can't be put into a vessel. So if the water in the upper mikvah is disqualified, so the Mishnah says the way to correct this is to create a pipe between the higher mikvah and the lower mikvah, and to have the water of the higher mikvah go into the pipe, and then to connect that pipe with the lower mikvah. So the goal here is to combine the two different mikvahs so that the water in the lower mikvah, which is good, will correct the status of the water in the higher mikvah. So the way the Mishnah phrases this is umoshcho umashiko afilu kisa'ara dayo. They bring the water down. Umashiko, it kisses. That's the language for saying that the two waters connect. Afilu kisa'ara, even a hair's breadth is enough to fix the water in the upper mikvah. So here the Mishnah says again a different measurement. It's not kishfoferis hanud that the waters have to connect like the size of an opening of a bottle. It says even a hair's breadth. So the Rash in his commentary on the Mishnah asks about this. How could the Mishnah say that even if it connects a hair's breadth, that's sufficient when the general rule is that in order to combine waters of a mikvah, it requires kishvoferes hanud. So the Rash answers that since the disqualification of she'uvin, water that was put in a vessel, is only drabanan, so a lower level disqualification can be corrected even with a hair's breadth. The requirement that in order to combine mikvah waters, it requires shoferes hanud, that only applies to higher level Torah disqualifications of the mikvah. So that's how the Rash explains this. But there's still a problem because there is a Torah level disqualification that's also included in this case of the Mishnah. And that is, let's say the waters in the upper mikvah became tameh. So that is a deoraisa level disqualification and still the Mishnah's method for correcting it would apply. So how can the Mishnah say in that case that it gets fixed with a hair's breadth of connection and it doesn't need Shvofer Sanud? And Rab Chaim adds that one could have responded to this question that the process of transforming water from Tameh to Tahor by connecting it with the mikvah is a different halacha than connecting the water with the mikvah itself. In other words, to take water and make it eligible to be part of the mikvah, that requires Shrofer Sanud because you're making this water into mikvah water. But to just take water, which is Tameh, and make it Tahor by connecting it with the mikvah, like anything else that goes into a mikvah becomes tahor. So this water is also going to become tahor. So that's a lesser process and it doesn't require shvofer sanud. It only requires a hair's breadth. 
So one could have answered that, but says Rab Chaim, that doesn't work because the whole concept of turning water from Tameh into Tahor is only because it becomes considered as part of the mikvah. So there is no separate process that water can be purified, even though it's not connected with the mikvah. The whole concept of purifying water is that it becomes one with the mikvah because it's derived from the Pasuk of mikveh mayim yihiyat tahor, that the mikvah water is tahor. So since this water is now considered part of the mikvah water, it becomes tahor. And Rab Chaim proves this from the Gemara Psachim Yudzayin as well. It says that a revius of water that's in the ground, so a very small amount of water that's in the ground is tahor, because it's fit to be a mikvah for machtin vitzinoros for needles and small pipes. So since there are very small vessels which can be purified in this very tiny mikvah of a revius of water, it's about three to four ounces, so that's sufficient to consider it mikvah water. So again, you see, the reason why water is considered purified is because it's considered a mikvah. There is no way to purify water by connecting it with the mikvah in a way that the water itself is not considered part of the mikvah. So if so, we're back to the question. If the only way to purify water is for it to be part of the mikvah and part of the halacha in this Mishnah is that the upper waters can be purified by connecting with the lower waters, even a hair's breadth. So what happened to the requirement that for water to combine with the mikvah water, it requires shvoferes hanud? And in addition, Rab Chaim adds that this answer would not work because the requirement of shvoferes hanud is not a special halacha of mikvah. It's actually a broader requirement. It applies also when it comes to the para aduma, when they mix the ashes of the red cow into the water so it purifies it. So the Mishnah in para hey ches says, shnei shaksos shebe'even achas, if there are two holes in one stone and they each have water in them, kidesh achas mehen hamayim shebishniya enen mekudashin. So if he mixes in the ashes with one of the holes water, the water in the other hole does not become sanctified. But if there's shvoferes hanud hole in between them, and then he sanctifies one of the waters, so the other water also becomes sanctified. So you see that when it comes to the waters of the paraduma as well, what connects the two waters is shvoferes hanud. So this is not a special requirement for mikvah. In general, the measurement of combining liquids in halacha is shvoferes hanud opening. So if that's the case, even if we differentiate between purifying the waters versus connecting the water with the mikvah water, still the requirement of a shvoferes hanud opening should apply to purifying the water as well. So we're back to the question, why does this Mishnah that gives a solution for correcting the upper mikvah waters say that it only needs a hair's breadth connection when the general halacha of connecting all liquids always requires a Shvoferes Hanud opening. So Rab Chaim answers all this and he explains that there's a basic difference between two different concepts here. One is Chibor and one is Eruv. When it comes to combining waters together with the mikvah, so that's called Eruv. It all needs to be mixed together and in order to do so, it requires a Shvoferes Hanud opening which is different than a Chibor which is just connecting the water together. So that does not require a Shvoferes Hanud opening. Even a hair's breadth opening is good enough so long as the water is tofeach lat piach. 
So there's two different measurements which are given for these two different concepts. Tofeach lat piach is the minimum requirement for chibor to happen. And shvoferes hanud is the minimum opening for eruv to happen. So now applying this halachic framework is going to answer the Rash's question. The Mishnah that says Eruv Mikvos Kishvoferes Hanud, that in order to mix waters together and be considered combined as a mikvah, it needs an opening of Shoferes Hanud. So that's referring to the concept of Eruv. Let's say there are two bodies of water, each has 20 sa, so they each have half of a mikvah, and you want to combine them together to form a mikvah of 40 sa. So they have to have an opening of Shoferes Hanud between them, and then all the water is considered combined together. Likewise, when it comes to the waters of the para aduma, if you want to combine all this water together, it doesn't happen unless there's an opening of shoferes hanud, then the other water combines with the sanctified water and it all becomes one water, so it's all sanctified. But the case of the Mishnah in chapter 6 of Hashaka, where the waters need to connect in order to either purify the upper mikvah or to correct it because it's she'uvin, so that's a very different different sort of case. There, each of the mikvahs on its own has the 40 saw. So the issue is not combining the waters. The issue is that the upper waters need to be fixed, but then on their own, they will be a valid mikvah because they have the 40 saw on their own. So all that's needed is a chibor, a connection, so that the bottom waters fix the upper waters. So in order to accomplish that, it follows its own track. You don't need shvoferes hanud because it doesn't need to all be combined together. It just needs to touch hashaka. So that happens even with a hair's breadth, so long as there's enough liquid of tofeach lat piach, which obviously the upper mikvah has, because it has a full mikvah of 40 saw. So it's obviously tofeach lat piach, and once it connects even a little bit with the lower mikvah, it fixes the upper water, so now it's a valid mikvah on its own. And says Rab Chaim that this whole analysis, this distinction, emerges clearly from the Mishnah at the beginning of the sixth chapter of Mikvos. If there's an area underneath mikvah waters in a cavern, so there's a little water in a separate area that's disconnected from the main mikvah waters, which are above it, but there is a small connection between the two parts. So if someone wants to use the bottom waters as a mikvah, the Mishnah says the only way they can do that is if there's an opening of shofar hanud between the two waters. Otherwise, there's no connection, and you can't use the bottom waters. Rabbi Yehuda clarifies that the whole requirement of Shoferis Hanud opening is only when this bottom section of water stands on its own. So it has a certain strength that even if someone immersed in the mikvah, they would not collapse the wall. But if the wall is so flimsy that if someone immersed in the mikvah, it would just collapse the whole wall and the whole thing would collapse into each other. So then the bottom section is considered a valid mikvah, even if it has a smaller opening 
opening than Shvoferes Hanur. So that's Rabbi Yehuda's clarification to the first view. Now, Rabbi Chaim asks, in this case where the wall is so flimsy that it would collapse, so Rabbi Yehuda says it doesn't need Shvoferes Hanur, but why does it need any opening at all? Even if there's no opening whatsoever, but it's just a flimsy wall that's going to collapse, so the two parts of the water should still be considered connected. Says Rab Chaim, based on his analysis, we can explain what Rabbi Yehuda is saying. That in general, to combine the waters, it requires Shvoferes Hanud opening. But Rabbi Yehuda is adding that the only time you need to combine the waters is when there's a solid wall between them. So in order to view this all as one big mikvah, the water needs to be combined, which is what's called Eruv. And in order to do so, it requires a Shvoferes Hanud opening. But if there's a flimsy wall, so the wall's just going to collapse, so then the waters are already considered combined, even if there is no opening. So in terms of the Eruv, all the waters are already mixed together. But there's still another problem, which is that the water needs to be connected to each other. Even in cases where there is no wall separating between the water, it still requires a connection. So even though here we solved the issue of the wall between them, but there's still no connection between the waters. So that's what's called a chibor. And in order to resolve that, any opening is sufficient, even a tiny opening. So this reinforces Rab Chaim's point that the requirement of chibor is even a tiny opening. There does need to be an opening in order to connect the waters, which is hashaka, but that opening can be any size. It does not need to be shofar sanud, even a tiny opening. So the framework that emerges so far from this analysis is if there's a wall dividing the waters, so then there's an issue of Eruv, the waters all need to be mixed together, and in order to do that, it needs an opening of Shoferis Hanud. But if the waters are separated without a wall, so then they need to be connected, which is Chibor, and any size opening can accomplish that. So now, using this framework, Rab Chaim says that again, we can explain the discussion in the Gemara in Gi'in. And this is very similar to his first approach, that the Gemara is trying to figure out where the Bryce's requirement of Tofeach Lat Piach would be applicable. But now that we have a different framework, we can explain the whole discussion differently. At first, the Gemara assumes that when the Bryce requires Tofeach Lat Piach, it cannot be referring to a case of Mikvah because the requirement to mix mikvah waters is shvoferes hanud. So if the brisa has a different requirement of tofeach lat piach, it cannot be talking about a case of mikvah, which is exactly the point that Tosvos made. So that's why the Gemara at first assumes the case of the brisa must be where a person washed half their hands, which is Ilfa's case. Then the Gemara counters that no, there is a case even in the laws of mikvah where tofeach lat piach is necessary, and that is the case of mikvah of Rabbi Yehuda where the first person takes water out of the mikvah, but their foot is still connected to the mikvah. So according to Rabbi Yehuda, the water on the person connects with the water in the mikvah because of good achis. We see all the water on them as if it's down in the mikvah. Now, says Rab Chaim very brilliantly, if we apply his framework that distinguishes between Eruv of the mikvah waters versus Chibor, so this makes sense of what the Gemara is doing in this step. It's saying that Rabbi Yehuda who does good achis 
only resolves the problem of Eruv, meaning the concept that we see the water on the person as if it's down in the mikvah combines all the waters together. So we don't have to worry about mixing the waters in. All the water is considered together based on good achis. But that doesn't solve the issue of chibor. The water is still disconnected and it needs to be connected. So that's what the Bryson now adds on, that the way to connect the water is because since the person's foot is in the mikvah and the water on them is tofeach lahat piach, so that's the minimum measurement for chibor. So now the water is not only part of the mikvah, but it's also chibor. So basically there's no contradiction between the Gemara's explanation that Rabbi Yehuda holds of good achis, that the water on the person is considered in the mikvah and the fact that we need a chibor based because in fact, both of these ideas are needed to work together in order to make this a valid mikvah according to Rabbi Yehuda. And that's because there are two potential issues with the water on the person that was now detached from the mikvah. One is that it needs a roof. It needs to be recombined with the mikvah waters. Otherwise, each of these parts of water is missing the 40 saw. The mikvah no longer has 40 saw and the water on the person is obviously not 40 saw. So there there is no valid mikvah with 40 saw unless we combine all the waters together. That's the Eruv component. Then there's another aspect that even once we combine the waters, but there's still separate waters without a wall in the middle. It's the parallel of that case. So there still needs to be a chibor. So in order to resolve both of these potential problems, there are two solutions. To combine the waters relies on good achis, the fact that the water on top of the person is considered in the mikvah, so now all the water is combined. But again, the water is still disconnected, so for that we need a chibor, which happens because the person's foot is still in the mikvah, so that connects the mikvah water with the water on them. And since the water on them is tofeach lat piach, which is the requirement for chibor, so that's how it connects all the water together. So that's the explanation of this step in the Gemara. The Gemara is now saying that there is another case where tofeach lat piach is required, which is the case of Rabbi Yehuda of a mikvah in order to connect the water on the person with the water in the mikvah. So once we've found another case where the brysa could apply, so it no longer needs to be an Ilfa's case where a person washed half their hands, and it could be in that case we do not combine the two halves together. So this would answer Tosos' question, why does the Gemara propose a different requirement than Shvoferes Hanud? How could Tofeach Lat Piach connect the waters to the mikvah when the Mishnah says clearly that you need Shvoferes Hanud? So the answer is that Mishnah is talking about something else. It's talking about Eruv combining all the waters, so there you need Shvoferes Hanud, and our Gemara agrees with that. But in this case, you have the combination through the good achis. The issue that our Gemara is introducing is that there also needs to be a chibor, which happens through the person's foot, which is connected with the mikvah water. But the Brysa introduces the idea that in order to do so, the water on the person requires tofeach lahat piach. So that's the way to make sense of this whole Gemara and answer Tosas' question. But now, says Rab Chaim, based on this new interpretation of the Gemara and the new distinction that he made between Eruv and Chibor, 
So that undermines his initial idea in the Rambam. He was saying that there's a difference between Ashboren versus Katafres, that Ashboren water never needs to be combined. It's automatically combined. And the proof is because the Gemara did not apply the Brisa of Tofeach Lat Piach to a case of Ashboren. And the reason is because Ashboren does not need to be combined. Now, says Rab Chaim, one could easily say that Ashboren liquids do need a Chibor. So there's not an automatic connection. They need to be connected. But the measurement of Tofeach Lat Piach is not going to do it because they require a higher level of connection of Kishvoferes Hanud. That's the idea Rab Chaim's developing, that in general to connect water requires Kishvoferes Hanud. Only the unique case of Rabbi Yehuda, where the water is already connected through good achis, so that accomplishes what the Shvoferis Hanud opening would accomplish, but it still requires a chibor, so there, there's a measurement of Tofeach Lat Piach. So that's a special measurement that applies to Rabbi Yehuda's unique case. But in a regular case of Ashbor and liquids in the same hole, so there you do need a chibor, but Tofeach Lat Piach is not enough, it requires an opening between all the water of Kishvoferis Hanud. So that goes against Rab Chaim's idea that Ashboren does not require any chibor. Furthermore, says Rab Chaim, one could even argue that the good achis of Rabbi Yehuda creates such a strong combination of the water on the person with the water in the mikvah that it's all considered Ashboren. So the water on the person is considered like it's in the mikvah itself. So far in this piece, Rab Chaim's been comparing the water on the person in Rabbi Yehuda's case of the mikvah to a case of katafres, a sloping case, but in this case the connection works as opposed to a regular slope. Now, says Rab Chaim, one could say that the good achis of Rabbi Yehuda is much stronger than katafres. The water is all considered ashboren. The water on the person is considered in the mikvah. It's all gathered together and still it requires a chibor of tofeach lat piach. Again, because we have no proof that ashboren doesn't need a chibor. In the first approach, Rab Chaim suggested the fact that the Gemara doesn't apply Tofeach Lat Piach to the case of Ashboren shows that Ashboren doesn't need a Chibor, it's automatically connected. But now Rab Chaim saying that there's another criteria that requires Shvoferes Hanud, so it could be Ashboren does need to be connected, but it requires Shvoferes Hanud. The one exception being Rabbi Yehuda's case where there's also a requirement of Tofeach Lat Piach, so that's what the Brisa is talking about, but in general Ashboren does need a Chibor. So if we apply that back to Rabbi Yehuda's case, it's possible that the good achis creates ashboren, but the waters all still need to be connected to each other, even though they're all considered sitting in the mikvah, and the way to do that is with tofeach lat piach. So this idea now undermines Rab Chaim's initial idea that ashboren liquids don't require chibor because they're automatically considered connected. It still does prove the lesser point that ashboren liquids don't require tofeach lat piach, but it could be now that they require even more to be connected. So Rab Chaim counters that even if we don't have a proof from the Gemara in Gitin, there is still a proof to his overall approach, which is going to force us to read the Gemara in Gitin in line with this idea that Ashboran liquids don't require any Chibor. And that is from the Mishnah in Mikvah of Ukas Hama'ara that Rab Chaim quoted, when there's a little space under the cavern Mikvah. So the Mishnah ruled that if the wall separates 
evaporating that space would fall through if someone went into it. So all the waters on top and the bottom are considered combined together. That's how Rab Chaim explained it. But there still needs to be a little hole between them to create the Chibor. So now that is a case, even according to the Chachamim who disagree with Rabbi Yehuda in the case of Mikvah, but that's a case where even according to them, the waters are all considered combined, but they still need a Chibor. So that's the equivalent of Rabbi Yehuda's case of Mikvah, but this one applies even according to the Chachamim. So now that we have an equivalent case, even in the Chachamim, where all the waters are combined, just they need a Chibor, so why didn't the Gemara use that as the case which needs Tofeach Lat Piach? If we're looking for a case to apply the Brisa, this seems like a better option because it fits not only according to Rabbi Yehuda, but according to everybody. So why pick the specific case of Rabbi Yehuda in a mikvah to say that's when the Brisa requires Tofeach Lat Piach? Why not apply it to this case of Ukas Hama'ara, where even according to the Chachamim, it requires a measurement of Tofeach Lat Piach to create a Chibor? Says Rab Chaim, it must be that since Ukas Hama'ara is considered Ashboren, all the waters gather together, it does not require Tofeach Lat Piach because Ashboren liquids are automatically considered connected. They don't need to connect in the normal way of Chibor, which has a measurement of Tofeach Lat Piach. So that's why the Gemara did not apply the Bryce's measurement to the case of Ukas Hama'ara, because since that's a case of Ashboren, it does not require Tofeach Lat Piach. So this again proves Rab Chaim's point that Ashboren does not have any measurement to do Chibor, because it does not need Chibor. It's all considered connected automatically. So even if we can't prove it directly from the Gemara in Gitin, but by including this other case from the Mishnah in Mikvos of the cavern Mikvah and the fact that the Gemara does not use that case to apply Tofeach Lat Piach. Instead, it goes to Rabbi Yehuda's view by Mikvah. So that shows us that there is a distinction between these cases. Rabbi Yehuda's view of Mikvah is ultimately considered Katafres, not Ashboren. So good Achis, according to Rabbi Yehuda, combines all the waters but as if the person is a slope, not as if it's Ashboren. So that's why it requires Tofeach Lat Piach, as opposed to the cavern Mikvah, which is considered Ashboren, so that does not require Tofeach Lat Piach. And now this proves the first point Rab Chaim began with, that Ashboren liquids are automatically considered connected. They're one entity, and they don't need to do the regular rules of Chibor. But says Rab Chaim, this whole approach is not going to work because the Mishnah of Mashke Tofeach explicitly said that it's not a connection, not for Tahara, not to purify the water, and not for Tumah. It doesn't spread the Tumah either. Now the cases Rab Chaim's been discussing are only Tahara. So all the cases of Tofeach Lahat Piach that connect the water are only talking about purifying the water. But the Mishnah explicitly Explicitly said that Mashke Tofeach does not spread the Tumah throughout the water, implying that Tofeach Lat Piach does spread the Tumah. But there is no case of that according to Rab Chaim's analysis so far. Because if we apply it to Ashboren, so Rab Chaim's been saying that does not require Chibor, so it doesn't have the measurement of Tofeach Lat Piach. Katafres is not a Chibor. A slope does not create a Chibor. So that's also not the case. And the exceptional view of Rabbi Yehuda that there is a version of katafres that works in the case of someone over a mikvah that's only talking about tahara purifying all the water we don't find that Rabbi Yehuda ever said gudachis in terms of tumah 
So there is no application of tofeach la'atpiach to a case of spreading tumah. So this would seem to imply that ashboren does require a chibor, so it does have the measurement of tofeach la'atpiach, and that's a case where the tumah is spread. If tumah touches one part of the liquid, it spreads to the rest of the liquid in that hole. So if ashboren requires chibor and the measurement of tofeach la'atpiach, that would be an application of that to a case of tumah as well. But of course, that goes against Rab Chaim's whole approach that Ashboren does not require Chibor, and so it does not have the minimum measurement of Tofeach Lat Piach. In addition, Rab Chaim asks, it seems that the halacha of Tofeach Lat Piach, that measurement, is a halacha Moshe Misinai. Hashem gave it to Moshe. But when does the whole halacha apply? Because as we've seen, there's very limited cases that this may apply in. According to the Chachamim, there's almost no application of it because Nitzok and Katafres are not a chibor. So that's not the application of this halacha of Tofeach Lat Piach. So what is the application when this halacha does apply. So this second question, Rab Chaim says, you could answer more easily because the halacha of tofeach lat piach was not said originally in the context of chibor. It's in a much more fundamental context of what's considered a liquid to begin with. So this is not a halacha specific to what liquids create a chibor. It's a halacha that gets to the fundamental issue of what has the status of a liquid. So on that, the halacha says only liquids which are wet enough to continue beyond the next object. So that's the importance of tofeach lat piach. It's not a limited halacha that we can't find an application for, but it's a very broad and important concept. And this comes out of the Mishnah in Taharos chapter 3, harote v'agrisin v'achalav, soup or beans or milk. So the Mishnah wants to know when do we consider this a liquid? Bizman shein mashke tofeach When they're mashke tofeach, so they become tame like a liquid. Now that phrase mashke, as we said, is usually the lower level of liquid. But the Rash in his commentary explains that in this Mishnah, it refers to tofeach lehat piach. So it's not mashke tofeach, where there's very little moisture and it won't travel beyond the first object. It's talking about tofeach lehat piach. So according to the Rash, this Mishnah is telling us that the halacha of tofeach lehat piach is the very essence of the definition of what's considered a liquid for Tumah. Similarly, in the Mishnah, in the third chapter of Machshirin, the case is Hametanin Betitan Naguv. If somebody puts produce which has not come in contact with a liquid. So for a food to be able to become tame, it must have a liquid wash it first. So now he put it next to dried cement. So the cement is not so wet, but there is some liquid. So the Mishnah rules, If there's an amount of liquid of mashke tofeach, you can feel the moisture. So then this food is able to become tame. It's considered kiyutan. And if not, so then the food is still dry. It has not come in contact with liquid and it cannot be Become tame. Likewise, there's a similar ruling in the Gemara in Chulin Lamed Vav. Paras Shlomim Shavira bin Nachal. If someone took the animal of a sacrifice through a river, so now it's wet, and then he slaughtered it. So if there's mashke tofeach, if there's liquid that you can feel, so now the meat of the slaughtered animal can become tame because it's come in contact with liquid. And if not, so then that meat cannot become tame. Again, in the Tosefta, in the second chapter of Machshirin, Hamaravetz is beso b'mayim v'nason bo shibolim If someone puts 
water on their house and then they put produce in it and it gets wet. So again, it depends in Yeshalehin Mashke Tofeach. If it has Mashke Tofeach, so then the produce can become Tameh. Otherwise, it cannot. And finally, the same basic halacha in the Tosefta in the third chapter of Uktsin, Olshin Shalakhtan Lebehema, a certain kind of a vegetable which were initially picked with the intention of feeding them to an animal. And then the owner changed his mind and decided to feed them to people. So if there's Mashke Tofeach, if there's a liquid that can be felt on the vegetable, so then hukshiru, it can become tameh, otherwise not. So in all these four cases, it gives the same criteria that if there's mashke tofeach, it's considered a liquid. Less than that is not. But says Rab Chaim, he thinks that the language in all these cases is imprecise. It doesn't actually mean mashke tofeach. It means tofeach lat piach, really. Because mashke tofeach is not really a measurement. It just means any wetness. So it's like basically saying any amount of wetness, even a tiny amount, that's mashke tofeach. So long as someone can feel any moisture, so that's considered some wetness. But it's not a real measurement. So in all these cases, the Mishnah and the Tosefta are giving measurements of what's considered the minimum amount of a liquid. So it must really be tofeach lehat piach. It's enough that if someone touches it, they can then get something else wet. So according to Rab Chaim, that is the definition of what's considered a liquid. So that's why not only for when something can become Tameh, that's the minimum measurement, as the Rash said. But that's also for Machshirin, when a liquid makes a food able to become Tameh, it also depends on Tofeach Lehat Piach. So we see from all these cases that Tofeach Lehat Piach is the definition of a liquid in many areas of Halacha. And accordingly, that's what the Halacha Lemoshim Sinai is coming to teach us. This very important definition of what differentiates a liquid and a solid. The answer is tofeach lat piach, even though in the Mishnah and the Tosefta, very often they use the phrase mashke tofeach. But according to Rab Chaim, it need not be taken so literally because sometimes mashke tofeach refers to tofeach lat piach. As he said in the Rambam at the beginning of this piece, that the Rambam also does that. He uses mashke tofeach to refer to tofeach lat piach. So now that we understand the importance of the tofeach lat piach concept, so now we can apply it back into our Mishnah. And now it makes perfect sense that when there's a case of katafres, so there's a slope with two amounts of water on the top and the bottom, which are divided, so we need tofeach lat piach in order to combine them. Because less than that, it's not considered a liquid. So there would be no liquid joining the two parts together unless there's tofeach lat piach, in which case there's considered liquid in the middle, which brings them together. As opposed to Ashboren, when all the water is anyways gathered together, so there is no slope dividing it, so then we don't need Tofeach Lat Piach because we don't need a Chibor. The whole thing is considered one thing together just because all the water is together. There's no need to combine them using any Tofeach Lat Piach. So that explains very nicely why the whole concept of Tofeach Lat Piach only applies to Katafres, as Rabbi Chaim has been saying throughout this piece. It does not apply to Ashboren 
Ashboren because Ashboren does not require Chibor as opposed to Katafres that does require Chibor and now we understand exactly why it requires Tofeach Lat Piach because less than that is not considered a liquid. That's the definition of a liquid in a broader sense. So that makes sense of that. But we're still left with the first question that Rab Chaim raised, which is when is there ever an application of Tofeach Lat Piach in order to spread the Tumah? So far, everything we've seen is only to purify the water, whereas the Mishnah seems to indicate that even when it comes to Tumah, Tofeach Lat Piach plays a role. So what is that case? So in the fifth paragraph, Rab Chaim answers this based on a debate between the Rambam and the Raivid in Hilchos Tumas Meis Dalid Yud Gimel, which is based on how to read a Mishnah in Olos Gimel Gimel. The Mishnah there is discussing the Tumah that comes from blood of a dead body. So ordinarily, blood gives off Tumah if there's a minimum measurement of a Revius. But in this case, the blood was splattered all over. So the Mishnah wants to know when is the blood considered combined to give off Tumah? And when is it considered disconnected that it doesn't have a minimum measurement? So the Mishnah differentiates between a katafres versus ashboren. If the blood is running down a slope, so then the person has to hover over the entire blood. Hovering over a part of it does not create toma. But if the blood is gathered together, so then even hovering over a part of it gives off toma as if the person hovered over the whole thing. Then the Mishnah adds that if the katafres, the slope, is an iskupa, so it's the door step, there's a slope in the front door, so then the Mishnah says whether the slope is inside or outside, meaning whether it faces outside, so it slopes downwards from the house towards the outside, or it faces the other way, it slopes into the house, even if the doorstep is under the house, so the house itself is in ohel over this blood, still the person who hovers over the blood is Tahar. So now the Rambam seems to understand that that line in the Mishnah is qualifying the first line. So the whole leniency of katafres, when the blood is spilled on a slope, the whole leniency is when there's a partial ohel. So if it's partially in the house, or if a person partially hovers over the blood, then they're tahor. But if there's a full ohel, even though the blood is on a slope, there's still tumah. So let's say the whole slope would be inside the house or a person fully hovers over the entire blood on the slope, they do become Tameh even though the blood is running down the slope. So according to the Rambam, there is no special leniency of blood on a slope that it's not considered connected. The only leniency is that if a person or a house hovers only over part of the blood which is on the slope, so then they don't become Tameh. So according to the Rambam, the Mishnah is telling us two things. If the blood is gathered together, so it's all connected, and if a person or a house hovers over part of it, they become Tameh. If the blood is on a slope, so then the person or the house needs to hover over the whole thing because it's not connected enough that if they hover over only part of it, they would become tame. But if they do hover over the whole blood, even though it's running down a slope, they do become tame. The Ravid though disagrees. He understands that blood on a slope is so splattered and disconnected that even if a person or a house hovers over the whole thing, they still don't become tame. There's a special criteria when it comes to tum 
Tuma from blood, that since it's called Nefesh, it's considered the soul of the person, it's only a soul if the blood is all together. But if the blood is splattered all over the place, that doesn't meet the criteria of Nefesh, so it does not give off Tuma. So in that way, blood is different than other Tumas of the dead body, that even though they're spread out, they still give Tuma, but blood has a special Halacha that it must all be connected in order to give off Tuma, and any time the blood is running down the slope, even if it's fully in the house, it does not give off Toma. So that is the debate between the Rambam and the Raivid, how to interpret this halacha. Now the Raivid asks on the Rambam from a Tosefta in the fourth chapter of Alos, Rabbi Yossi Omer's Kenim Harishonim Hayu Omrim. Rabbi Yossi quotes the view of the early elders. They disagree with the Mishnah. They say, If the slope on the front door is headed into the house, so then in fact the house becomes Tamei. The Mishnah said that in that case, it's still Tahor, but the Zakanim disagree. They hold in that case, it's Tamei. If the slope is headed outside, so then they agree with the Mishnah that it's Tahor. Then they changed their mind and they agreed with the view in the Mishnah that whether the slope is headed inwards or outwards, it's Tahor. So the Ravid wants to know what was the original thought of the Zakanim? How could they have possibly held that when the slope is headed inside the house, the blood becomes Tameh when it's all splattered all over and it's running down this slope. How can that possibly create Tumah inside of the house? So the Ravid suggests that these Zakanim, they hold that the house itself combines the Tumah of the blood. So even though generally if blood is running down a slope, it's considered disconnected, there's nothing to combine it together, so it does not give off Tumah. But if it's in a house, so the house itself combines the blood, so that's why if the blood is running down the slope into the house, so the house does become Tameh, because since the blood is all going to be in the house, it's all going to be combined by the house, and it's going to give off Tumah. But that only applies when the slope is headed into the house, obviously not when it's going outside the house, then we revert to the original rule that blood running down a slope is disconnected and does not give off Toma. So that's how the Ravid suggests understanding the view of this Canaan. But Rab Chaim points out that's only going to work according to the view of the Ravid that all of this blood is eventually going to be collected inside of the house. The way the Rambam understands this whole halacha, the blood never collects inside the house. It's always only partially in the house. So in the case where the blood is running from the inside into the house, according to the Rambam, only part of the blood is going to come into the house. Part of the blood is going to remain outside of the house. So that part of the blood that remains outside is certainly not combined with the rest of the blood through the house. So according to the Rambam, we're back to the original question. How could these Canaan possibly think that there's Tumah when the blood is running into the house when only half of the blood is running into the house? Half of it is staying outside because that's how the Rambam understands this case. So for the Rambam, Rab Chaim suggests another explanation of the view of this Canaan based on the view of Rabbi Yehuda, the way it's explained in the Gemara in Chagiga Yutes. The Gemara quotes from the Tosefta, Shalosh Gamim a river that has three big holes in it, one on top, one in the middle, and one on the bottom. Now, the top and the bottom hold 20 saw of water. 
the middle one holds 40 saw of water. So basically, the middle one is going to be a valid mikvah because there's a big hole with 40 saw of water in it. But the top one and the bottom one only have 20 saw, so they're not a valid mikvah. And there's a stream of water which runs down the whole thing. So now all three holes are connected through this water running down. So this is a classic case of katafres, a slope with water running all the way down. So Rabbi Yehuda quotes Rabbi Meir's opinion, Haya Omer Matfil Ba'el Yonah. Rabbi Meir holds that you can use the top hole as a mikvah, not only the middle one, but also the top one. And Rabbi Yehuda disagrees with him, and he says, of You can use the bottom one as a mikvah, but not the top one. So the way the Gemara explains this is because Rabbi Yehuda holds of good achis, He holds that water connects with the things below it. So the middle hole and the bottom hole are connected through the water. But he does not hold of good asik. He doesn't believe that water connects things with things above it. So the middle hole and the top hole are not connected. So since the top hole doesn't have 40 saw, it's not a valid mikvah. On the other hand, the bottom hole, even though it also has 20 saw, it's connected through the stream of water with the middle hole, which is a valid mikvah. So it connects with the bottom hole and that too becomes a valid mikvah. So now we already knew that Rabbi Yehuda believes in good achis, that water connects downwards from the case of the person with their foot in the mikvah. But this Gemara now clarifies that he does not believe in the other direction. The liquid does not connect with things which are above it. So water only goes downwards. It does not go upwards. So now, based on that, says Rab Chaim, if these zikanim follow the view of Rabbi Yehuda, so this makes sense of their opinion as well. If the slope is going into the house... So even though the house is only an ohel over half of the blood, not the top half, but since there's good achis, the top half of the blood is like it went downward and connected with the rest of the blood, so the whole house becomes tameh. On the other hand, if the slope is going outwards, so even though the house is an ohel over half of the blood, that's not going to make it tameh because the half of the blood on the bottom part of the slope doesn't go upwards. He doesn't hold of good asik. So that blood is not considered inside the house. So the house doesn't become tameh. So since blood and liquid only goes downwards and not upwards, that explains the view of the zkenim when the slope is going into the house. So we see all of the blood, even if it's not in the house, as if it went downward. So all the blood combines to give off toma. So the whole house becomes tameh in that case. But if the blood is going outside, so the house is hovering over the top house half of the blood, but the bottom half does not go upwards. So the house is only an ohel over half of the blood. It does not combine all the blood together. So it does not give off toma. So now based on this interpretation, Rab Chaim has found a perfect case where good achis plays a role in creating the tumah because it's not enough for this good achis to just say that there's now a measurement of revius of blood. That itself is not going to create tumah in the house. Just having a revius of blood is not enough to give off the tumah. There needs to be an ohel situation. So the house has to be considered an ohel 
over the entire revius of blood. Now, in this case, the house is only an ohel over part of the blood. So the fact that good achis makes it not only a minimum measurement of a revius, but it also creates a situation where the house is considered an ohel over all of the blood, even though in fact it's only an ohel over part of the blood. So we see that good achis not only combines the blood, but it also gives off tumah from the blood as if the house is an ohel over the whole blood. So good achis not only combines the blood, but it also trans transfers the Tuma to the house. So good Achis plays a role in the transfer of Tuma as well. So now this is going to answer beautifully Rab Chaim's whole question. What is the case of the Mishnah where there's a requirement of Tofeach Lat Piach in order to spread Tuma? So now the answer is that according to this view of the Zkenim, the case where it spreads Tuma is exactly parallel to the case where it creates Tahara. The case of Tahara, according to the Gemara in Gitin, is referring to Rabbi Yehuda's view that a person with a foot in the mikvah, all the water that's on them and in the mikvah combines together using the principle of good achis, but it requires tofeach lat piach. So that was the case when tofeach lat piach is necessary in order to create Tahara, meaning together with good achis, that's not alone enough. There also has to be tofeach lat piach in order to connect all the water together. So now the case of Tuma is the exact parallel. The cases where there's good achis, like this Kanim said, that if the blood is running down the slope, even though only half of it is in the house, there's good achis and it all connects and it all transfers Tuma to the house, but there has to be tofeach lat piach in order to connect it all. If the blood on top does not have tofeach lat piach, so then it cannot connect with the bottom blood and it cannot get off Toma. So now Rab Chaim's found a case that the Mishnah could be referring to when it says that Tofeach Lat Piach is required in order to give off Toma, not only to spread Tahara, and in fact the two cases are basically parallel. They're both according to the view of Rabbi Yehuda that liquid in Toma and Tahara works with good Achis. So this would be the case of Toma that the Mishnah is referring to, this obscure case of this Kenim Harishonim. But none of this has anything to do with Ash there you don't need a chibor in order to consider all the gathered liquid together. The combination of ashboren happens just because all the liquid is together. It does not need tofeach lahat piach. So based on this explanation of the Mishnah, we no longer need to say that the case where Tuma needs tofeach lahat piach is talking about ashboren because now we have another case. So the case of ashboren has nothing to do with tofeach lahat piach because it doesn't need chibor. It's automatically considered connected just from being gathered in the same hole. So now, given all this, we're back to Rab Chaim's answer why the Rambam omitted any mention of tofeach lat piach in terms of a chibor for liquids because there is no practical application of that halacha. When it comes to ashboran, we don't need it. When it comes to katafres, a regular slope, so we hold that there is no chibor for a regular slope. So we don't need tofeach lat piach because there's no chibor. So there is no practical application of this except for these very unusual cases, the 
mikvah, according to Rabbi Yehuda, the blood running down the slope, according to the Zkenim Harishonim, and washing half a hand, according to Ilfa. So in fact, the Rambam does record the halacha of Ilfa, of washing half a hand, that Tofeach Latpiach combines everything in that case. But since he rules against Rabbi Yehuda, and by extension, the Zkenim Harishonim, so he doesn't mention those cases, and there's no need to mention the whole concept overall, because there is no other application of this halacha. Now in the final paragraph, Rab Chaim brings another proof to his whole idea that when it comes to Ashboren, you don't need to feach lat piach. The Mishnah in the eighth chapter of Taros says, If there's a place where they make dough, which is a slope, and there's dough on top, and there's liquid running down the slope. So shalosh chatichos bekebeitza einan mitstarfos. If there are three pieces of food, the liquid will not combine them. It will combine two half pieces in order to create an egg size. That's the minimum size of food that becomes tameh. But if there's three pieces, the liquid running down the slope cannot combine them. If the liquid is standing, so it's not running down the slope, it's gathered together. So that's the case of Ashboren. So then, even if it's the size of a mustard seed, so it's very small, it still combines everything. Now, what is the it in this Mishnah? What is the size of a mustard seed? So the Rash explains even if the pieces of food, the dough pieces, are small like a mustard seed, still, since the liquid is ashboren, it's gathered together, it will combine all of them together, even these very small pieces of food. So according to the Rash, the principle the Mishnah is teaching is that if the liquid is katafres, running down the slope, then it only combines larger pieces of food, and if it's ashboren, then it combines even small pieces of food. But the Rambam disagrees with this interpretation. He holds what's the size of a mustard seed is the water, not the food. The Rambam in Tumas Ochlin chapter 7 writes, Vim mashke omed, if the liquid was gathered together, ashboren, afilu even if the water is the size of a mustard seed, it combines all of the foods together. So now Rab Chaim reads the Rambam's language very carefully, and he makes like a grammatical point, which is unusual in Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim Alevi, but he points out that the Rambam changed the word ever so slightly. In the Mishnah, it says mitzareif which means combines. The Rambam, when he records this halacha, drops the tes from that word. So it says mitzareif which means to combine. So now the reason the Rambam changed this is to avoid the ambiguity in the Mishnah. In the Mishnah, it's unclear whether the water is small or the dough is small because it said that if the water is gathered, it's ashboren, so then even if it's the size of a mustard seed, it combines. But the it pronoun is unclear which object it was referring to. So the Rambam slightly changed the sentence to say it combines them. So now it's clear that it's talking about the water. The water is the size of a mustard seed, and since it's gathered together, it still combines the pieces of liquid. And that's how the Kesef Mishnah explains the Rambam as well. So now this lines up with the categories of Tofeach Lat Piach and Mashke Tofeach. Mashke Tofeach, which is just a little bit of moisture, is the equivalent of the water that's the size of a mustard seed. So that case is Mashke 
get tofeach, and more than that would be tofeach latpiach. So if we apply the case of the dough into that framework, the Mishnah is teaching the principle that if the water is running down the slope, even if it's tofeach latpiach, it still does not combine things together. And if the water is ashboren, even if it's mashke tofeach, it's just a little bit of moisture, it still combines everything together. Now, Rab Chaim says it's obvious that the water cannot combine other things unless the water itself is considered all combined together. So putting this all together, we have a proof from this Mishnah, the way the Rambam interprets it, that when the water is ashboren, even if it's less than tofeach lat piach, it's just a little bit of moisture, the size of a mustard seed. So that's considered mashke tofeach. It's just a slight amount of moisture that still combines other things together, which means necessarily that the water itself must be considered combined. So we see that even a small amount of water, less than tofeach lat piach, is considered combined when it comes to ashboren. Now we know that when it comes to liquid, Liquids, they only combine with tofeach lat piach. So the fact that the water here combines with even less shows that when it comes to ashboren, you don't need the regular principle of chibor, but rather any liquid which is gathered together is automatically considered combined even without the regular process of chibor, which requires tofeach lat piach. So the Rambam's interpretation of this mishnah of the dough being needed proves Rab Chaim's overall thesis that when it comes to Ashboren, the liquids combine even without Tofeach Lat Piach because they don't need the regular combining process. By being gathered together, they're automatically considered combined. Now, those who disagree with the Rambam and they hold that you always need Tofeach Lat Piach even when the liquid is Ashboren, it does not combine without Tofeach Lat Piach. So they're going to read the Mishnah like the Rash that when the Mishnah referred to something being a mustard seed size, that was talking about the dough. The water, though, even when it's ashboren, still has enough to be tofeach lat piach, and that's why it's able to combine the dough together. So there is a way to read this Mishnah in line with the approach that even liquid that's ashboren requires tofeach lat piach to be considered combined. But the Rambam himself clearly interprets the Mishnah differently because he understands in the case of Ashboren that the liquid does not have tofeach lat piach. It only has mashke tofeach, a little bit of moisture, and still it combines the foods together. So in the Rambam, we do have a proof for this idea that when the liquid is Ashboren, it does not need tofeach lat piach in order to combine because it's automatically considered combined by being gathered together. But says Rab Chaim, there's a way to push off this proof even according to the Rambam's interpretation. Because it could be even in the case that the Rambam sets up, where the water is ashboren, it's gathered together, and it's only the size of a small mustard seed, so it's not tofeach lahat piach, and it still combines the dough together. But even in that case, one could argue that you need tofeach lahat piach even when the liquid is ashboren in order to combine together. And the way to formulate this is that one could wonder when the halacha says that there needs to be liquid tofeach 
Koyach Lahat Piach, in order to combine, does that mean in every place there has to be that measurement of liquid? So if there's a lot of liquid in one hole, every area of the liquid has to have that minimum measurement of Tofeach Lahat Piach in order to combine with the rest of the liquid. Or if that measurement is met with all of the liquid together, even if in some places it has very little, so even if there's spots which are only a little bit moist, if overall all of the liquid in the whole combined together is Tofeach Lahat Piach, so maybe that meets the requirement for the measurement. So Rab Chaim argues just based on logic without a proof that since this is a halacha in measurements, so in general the way measurements work is they don't need to be met in every part of the object, but overall there's a measurement. So we combine the whole object in order to create the measurement from the entire thing, even if there are parts themselves that don't meet the requirements. So the same should be true in Tofeach Lat Piach. Even if there are areas where the moisture is not enough for Tofeach Lat Piach, it's only a little bit, but if overall all of the liquid gathered in this hole combines together and it does meet the requirement of tofeach lat piach, so that should combine all of the liquid, even the parts that have very little, because the measurement was met by all of the liquid combined together. So if that's the case, now we could fit this in even to the Rambam's interpretation of the Mishnah, even though there is a little bit of water that only has a mustard seed size, so that's a very small amount. It's just a little bit of moisture. It's not tofeach lat piach. But the way to interpret this case is that it's building on the previous case. It's not an independent case. So that's all the liquid that's gathered together in that spot. It's building on the previous case where there was liquid dripping down from the dough. So it's saying that even if on the bottom there's just a small amount of liquid, just a mustard seed size, that still combines with all the liquid in the Areva on this thing that they're making the dough. So altogether, there is enough liquid for Tofeach Lat Piach. So even though this is a case of Ashboren, it's also a case where overall it meets the requirements of Tofeach Lat Piach, even if some of the liquid is by itself and it's just a little bit, but overall it has the measurement. So that's why it combines and it combines all the pieces of dough. So that would be a way to read even into the Rambam's interpretation of the Mishnah that when there's Ashboren, it still requires Tofeach Lat Piach measurement in order to combine all the liquid together. But now Rab Chaim says that in fact this approach is not going to work because the Gemara in Gitin does indicate very clearly that the measurement of Tofeach Lat Piach has to be in every one of the places, not in overall measurement. Because the case over there is Rabbi Yehuda, where a person has their foot in the mikvah, and Rabbi Yehuda says that all the water on the person combines with the mikvah water. And still, the water on the person requires tofeach lat piach in order to combine. Now, obviously, there is well more than this measurement in the mikvah itself. So if we're looking at an overall measurement of all the liquid, not each place where the liquid is on its own, so then certainly you have no concerns here of tofeach lat piach 
even if there's just a little bit of liquid on the person, but there's well more than that in the overall case, adding in all the liquid in the mikvah. So the fact that the Gemara still applies this rule that there needs to be tofeach lat piach on the person themselves in order to combine with the mikvah water, and the way the Rishonim explained that is because otherwise there's no hashaka. So we see very clearly that if the person did not have tofeach lat piach on them, it would not combine with the mikvah. So we do not look at the overall situation at all the liquid in this case, whether it meets the measurement, but any liquid that wants to combine with the other liquids all needs to meet the measurement on its own. Otherwise, that area won't combine. So that's why the liquid on the person connected to the mikvah has to also be tofeach lat piach in order to connect with the mikvah waters. So if that's the case, then back to the Rambam's interpretation of this Mishnah, it's clear that Ashboren connects even if there's no tofeach lat piach. Because in that case, there's at least one area that has very little moisture and it still combines the dough in that area. So it's clear that that even if it's not tofeach lat piach, it's just a little bit of moisture, it still combines in the case of Ashboren. But now, says Rab Chaim, there's actually a middle perspective regarding this whole issue, and that's going to be his final take on how to make sense of all this, and that is that the issue of whether the tofeach lat piach measurement can be met by all the liquids combined, or it needs to be in each place independently, tofeach lat piach, is going to depend on the overall issue Rab Chaim's been discussing whether Ashboren requires Chibor or not. Because if we say that even liquids in Ashboren that are gathered together still require Chibor, so then individual places that don't have that much liquid are not going to combine together. Because since that area itself doesn't have Tofeach Lat Piach, so it technically doesn't combine, it's not able to combine with other areas in order to create the measurement of Tofeach so if we say that Ashboren still requires Chibor, then each place on its own that has Tofeach Lat Piach can combine, but any place that's missing the shear is not going to be part of the overall measurement because there's no way to combine it with the rest of the liquids. So if no single area has enough liquid in it for Tofeach Lat Piach, even if overall all of the liquid together does meet that measurement, there's not going to be a combination between all the areas so it does not become tofeach lat piach. On the other hand, if we say that Ashboren does not require a chibor, so it's automatically considered combined, so then even the areas that don't have tofeach lat piach on their own are still going to combine with the liquid in the other areas, because even though this area doesn't meet the requirements to combine, but the Ashboren itself is combining everything, so all of the liquid, even if on its own it doesn't meet the criteria of tofeach lat piach, it's all going to combine together. So even if no one place on its own has tofeach lat piach, but all the liquid in the whole together meets that requirement. So since it's Ashboren, and Ashboren doesn't need the full rules of Chibor, so all of the liquid's going to come together and create the tofeach lat piach. So this issue of whether we look at all the liquid together or each place independently is going to depend on whether Ashboren requires Chibor to begin with or it automatically happens. So now applying this perspective, what's going to come out is that in the case in Gi'in, where a person is standing on top of the mikvah, so there it's true that we don't use all the water together to create the measurement 
each area of water on the person has to have tofeach latpiach on its own in order to combine, but that's because the water on the person is not physically in the hole with the rest of the water. So since the reason the water combines, even if it doesn't have tofeach latpiach in each place, is because of the ashboren, so the case of the mikvah is a little different because since the water on the person is physically outside of the ashboren, so it doesn't combine with the rest of the water in the hole of the mikvah unless there's tofeach latpiach on the person themselves. But in the ashboren hole itself, so all the water in there is going to combine even if some of the parts don't have tofeach latpiach because since the ashboren brings them together on its own, so even the areas that don't meet the criteria of chibor on their own are still part of the overall combination for the measurement of tofeach latpiach. So this will explain why even though when it comes to Ashboren, all of the water combines together to create the measurement of tofeach latpiach, as Rab Chaim had initially assumed, but still the Gemara in Gitin is an exception for this, because in the case of the mikvah, the water that's not in the Ashboren needs tofeach latpiach on its own in order to be connected with the rest of the water, but there isn't a way to connect that water unless it's already part of the Ashboren. So being being in Nashboren is the prerequisite to combine water that has less than Tofeach Latpiach in there because through the mechanism of the Ashboren, it's able to overcome that problem and still combine all the liquid together. So now applying this back into the case of the Mishnah where they need the dough. So using this formulation, it's possible to say that even Ashboren requires the minimum measurement of Tofeach Latpiach. But in this case, that measurement is met. Because even though some areas clearly have less water, they only have a mustard seed size, so that's a small amount, but the whole case altogether is talking about where in the areva, there's other liquid coming from the dough, so altogether there is tofeach latpiach. So there is a minimum measurement, and because it's ashboren, even the places that have less liquid in them still combine with the rest of the liquid, so they're also included in the tofeach latpiach measurement. So that's why the area that has just a little bit of water, like a chardal, still combines all the dough together. But either way, this does prove Rab Chaim's overall thesis in this piece that Ashboren itself is a chibor. It does not require the normal criteria of combining the liquid together, but any liquid that is sitting together in a hole is automatically considered combined because it's gathered in the same place. So this Mishnah, even according to this second formulation, still proves that overall thesis that Ashboren is itself a chibor. And that was the key to Rab Chaim's whole answer for why the Rambam omitted the whole Tofeach Latpiach requirement, because since it's not necessary for Ashboren, so there is no real case where it applies, so that's why the Rambam did not quote it. When it comes to Ashboren, it's not a Chibor, it automatically is considered one entity. So Rab Chaim's explanation of the Rambam's interpretation of the Mishnah, even if it didn't prove the stronger formulation that Ashboren doesn't require Tofeach Latpiach, but it did 
did prove the weaker formulation that Ashboren itself is a combination and that's why all the liquid together in the whole combines to create the Tofeach Lat Piach measurement. So this is Rab Chaim's piece to answer this question on the Rambam, why he omitted the Tofeach Lat Piach requirement. And as we've seen throughout this piece, it's a very long and difficult piece. Rab Chaim touches on a number of major concepts throughout his discussion. So the key conceptual distinction that he's driving is this difference between Ashboren versus Katafres, that when liquids are all gathered together, they do not need Chibor because they're automatically considered one entity because of the fact that they're all gathered in one whole. So that's the main distinction Rab Chaim's proposing. Then he also proposes that Tofeach Lehatpiach, that amount of wetness, is what's defined in Halach as a liquid. So the halachic definition of a liquid is if there's enough moistness for tofeach lahatpiach, less than that does not meet the measurement of a liquid. So that's how Rab Chaim understands the whole halachic definition of a liquid, that there is a shear to it, and that shear, that measurement, is tofeach lahatpiach, and this applies to a number of halachas, machshirin, to make the food eligible to become tame, as well as for the liquid itself to become tame as well as to combine with other liquids. So there's a number of applications to this. Now, even though many of the sources that deal with this use the phrase mashke tofeach, but Rab Chaim is comfortable saying that it's imprecise, and in those cases, they actually mean tofeach lat piach, not mashke tofeach as opposed to tofeach lat piach. So that's another key theme of Rab Chaim's discussion. He also proposes a distinction between eruv, mixing the waters, versus Chibor connecting the waters. And when it comes to mikvah, so there are different cases with different requirements. If there are two kosher mikvahs, so they each have the minimum of 40 saw, but they're disconnected by a wall or they're totally separated, so they only need a chibor in order to affect each other. And the minimum measurement for that is tofeach lat piach. As opposed to two small collections of 20 saw water that want to combine together to create 40 saw, it requires a higher connection of a shvoferis hanud opening. And then there are cases like the cavern mikvah with a space underneath it that has a weak wall, or the case of Rabbi Yehuda of a person standing over a mikvah, where the waters are considered combined, but they're still considered separated without a wall. So those are unusual cases which require a chibor even though the waters are all considered combined together. In addition, Rab Chaim discusses Rabbi Yehuda's view of mikvah that good achis brings the waters from above and considers them below. And he discusses whether that creates a situation of katafres or ashboren. And he leans on the side that it's katafres because ashboren does not need a chibor at all. So that's related to that issue. In addition, he quotes the view of the zkenim harishonim that such an idea of Rabbi Yehuda, good achis, would also apply when it comes to Tumah. So not only for Tahara, but also for Tumah as well. And then at the end, Rab Chaim connects a lot of these major themes because he says that the question of whether Ashboren requires Chibor is going to impact whether there needs to be Tofeach Lat Piach in each place on its own or in all the places together. So that last step ties in his major discussions in this piece regarding Ashboren versus Katafres and Tofeach 
Tofeach Lat Piach versus Mashke Tofeach, and it ties them together at the end. So those are the major themes that Rab Chaim touches on in this piece. Now, the Chazon Ish has a major comment on this piece, and he disagrees with most of the points that Rab Chaim develops. First of all, the Chazon Ish rejects this idea that Mashke Tofeach, that phrase, could mean tofeach lat piach, and that there's an imprecision in the Mishnah and the Tosefta and the Rambam. The Chazon Ish believes that the Rambam uses the phrase mashke tofeach very carefully, and if he says that, he does not mean tofeach lat piach. So he disagrees with that technical point in Rab Chaim's analysis, but that changes a lot of things, because that means that we can no longer say that the Rambam who says that a kataphrase with mashke tofeach is not a chibor, means even tofeach lat piach is also not a chibor. Because if the Rambam means it literally, so then only katafres that only has slight moisture is not a chibor. But if it has more moisture, then in fact it would be a chibor. And that seems to go against the Mishnah that there are three cases that are not a chibor. Nitzok, katafres, as well as mashke tofeach. So it sounds like katafres and mashke tofeach are two different cases. That's the whole basis for Rab Chaim's question in this piece. So the Chazon Ish points out that in fact the Rambam in his commentary on the Mishnah reads that Mishnah differently than Rab Chaim is. The Rambam says that there are only two cases. There's Nitzok and then there's Katafres with Mashke Tofeach. So the Rambam in his commentary on that Mishnah reads the Mishnah exactly the way he records it in the Halachas of the Mishnah Torah that it's referring to only a Katafres with Mashke Tofeach is not a Chibor. But with more liquid, if there's a good amount of liquid running down the slope, then that would be a chibor. So this literally undermines Rab Chaim's entire piece because it means that there is no question. The Rambam is just ruling in accordance with how he read the Mishnah and Rab Chaim's whole question why the Rambam omitted the case of Tofeach Lat Piach is entirely not a question because there is no Mishnah that ever said that. So that's the Chazonisha's critique. He says it in his first long comment on this piece and then he says it again in the third final comment. Now in the back of the Or Olam edition of Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim Alevi, so they quote that Reb Michal Feinstein, who was a son-in-law of Reb Chaim's son, the Briskerov. So in his Shiurim on Maseches Mikvos, he also raises this issue, but then he points out that even if that's how the Rambam in his commentary on the Mishnah read it, but it still contradicts the Gemara in Gi'in, which indicates very clearly that there are three cases in this Mishnah, and Mashke Tofeach is a third and independent case from the second case of Katafres. So Rab Chaim himself really made this point. So that seems to be what Rab Chaim's pointing out in the piece itself, that even if someone wants to argue like the Chazon Ish, that the Rambam in his commentary on the Mishnah reads the Mishnah differently, but the Gemara in Gi'in is clear that there are three cases in the Mishnah. So Rab Chaim seems to be aware of this issue. And we've seen this debate between Rab Chaim and the Chazon Ish before in Hilchus Tumah and in other places, how carefully do we have to read the Mishnah Torah in light of the commentary on the Mishnah, or can it be read independently? Rab Chaim very often reads the Mishnah Torah independent of the Pirush Mishnayus, and the Chazon Ish uses the Pirush Mishnayus more in understanding these halachas. So this is a similar debate. Now, as a result of this debate, whether the phrase Mashke Tofeach can refer to Tofeach Lahat Piach, as Rab Chaim says, or it must be Mashke Tofeach, meaning very little 
moisture, as the Chazon Ish argues. So now the Chazon Ish redefines the whole concept of a liquid in Halacha. Reb Chaim defined it as tofeach lat piach. Less than that, there's no measurement of liquid and it's not considered a liquid in halacha. The Chazon Ish, though, argues that the definition of liquid in halacha, as we see from all these sources, the Mishnah, the Tosefta, the Rambam, the definition is mashke tofeach, if there's even a little bit of moisture. And according to the Chazonish, this is not a shiur. Rab Chaim himself said that mashke tofeach is not a real measurement. It's not a halachic shiur. It's just a definition physically of what's considered a liquid. Less than that is totally nullified. You can't consider a tiny molecule of liquid in a surface to be a liquid. It has to have some basic physical manifestation. So if a person can feel the liquid at all, that is considered a liquid in halacha. So Rab Chaim and the Chazonish have very different definitions of what defines a liquid in halacha. According to Rab Chaim, it's tofeach lat piach, because that meets the basic minimum shior of a liquid. According to the Chazonish, it's mashke tofeach, because that's the physical amount of a liquid that's considered not nullified by the object. Now, using this basic framework, so the Chazonish answers Rab Chaim's big question in this piece, which is why didn't the Rambam mention that tofeach lat piach is considered a chibor. So according to the Chazon Ish, it's a very practical, technical answer. Since the Rambam said that in a kataphres, mashke tofeach is not considered a chibor, so the implication is that tofeach lat piach is considered a chibor. So he doesn't need to tell us that halacha independently once we see that even in a slope, tofeach lat piach is a chibor. So then we know that even outside of a slope, tofeach lat piach is a chibor. Now, why why didn't the Rambam tell us that mashke tofeach is not a chibor on a horizontal level? So the Chazonish answers this also technically, because since the next halacha in the Rambam is that an ashboren is a chibor, and that's talking about mashke tofeach, so again we can infer that mashke tofeach is a chibor in ashboren, but outside of ashboren it's not a chibor. So from the extremes of ashboren and katafres, we can figure out that a regular horizontal chibor is created by tofeach lat piach and not by mashke tofeach. So according to the Chazon Ish, there is no major omission in the Rambam, even though he didn't say it clearly, but we can infer it from the halacha before and after it. And then finally, the Chazon Ish has one further point. Reb Chaim interpreted that the Rambam understands the mustard seed size in the Mishnah refers to the water and not the dough. Now, that was also the interpretation of the Kesef Mishnah. So Reb Chaim's on very solid footing with this. And the Chazon Ish says that according to the Kesef Mishnah, the mustard seed size must be the equivalent of mashke tofeach because again, less than that, the liquid is totally nullified and it doesn't count for anything. And Rab Chaim also agrees with that. But then the Chazonish questions the entire interpretation of the Kesef Mishnah because he has a bunch of questions on this. First of all, he says the language in the Mishnah of Chardal generally refers to food, not liquids. Second, why is the Mishnah making up a new measurement? Why didn't it just say mashke tofeach or kol shahu, any amount, which are the general terms used for liquid? Why call it Chardal? In a addition, the Mishnah then is not telling us the halacha of whether a small amount of liquid, that's Ashboren, combines multiple pieces of small food. And that's the whole point of the 
the Mishnah. This Mishnah is coming to deal with what foods are combined. It's not dealing with how much liquid is necessary in these cases. So the way Rab Chaim is reading it, the Mishnah is now switching to a totally new halacha. And then there's a technical issue that the last case in the Mishnah was talking about two pieces. And then it says Mitzarif es Kulan. It combines all of them, but there's only two pieces. So what's the all of them? So the Chazonish has a grammatical issue with this reading. So basically the Chazonish disagrees with the Kesef Mishnah and Rab Chaim. And he thinks that even according to the Rambam, the small Chardal size object is the pieces of dough and not the liquid. So those are some of the Chazon Isha's counters to Rab Chaim's analysis in this point. Now there is another issue that he raises and in the Or Olam edition they quote that Rab Shmuel Rezovsky has a few pieces on this and Rab Michal Feinstein also writes about this and he quotes his father-in-law the Briskarov, something that he said about this which is Rab Chaim differentiates that when there are two 40 saw mikvahs next to each other they only need chibor. But when there's two small mikvahs mikvahs that want to join together, so then they need a roof, they need to mix all the waters together in order to get to 40 saw. What happens in a middle case where there's a 40 saw mikvah next to a smaller amount of water, so then Rab Chaim does not tell us, and there's all sorts of discussion about this, but it's a little technical, so I'm not going to really get into it. Now, Reb Michal Feinstein in his shear raises a phenomenal internal contradiction in this piece. Reb Chaim says that less than tofeach lat piach does not meet the halachic definition of liquid. But then in the piece, he says that it's possible that if there's not tofeach lat piach in a specific area, it can still combine with the rest of the liquid in that area to create the measurement. Now, how could that possibly be? If the area that has less than tofeach lat piach is not considered a liquid, how can that combine with the rest of the liquid to be part of the overall liquid? It's not considered liquid to begin with. And then Rab Chaim also says that if the liquid is in Ashboren, so even if it's not Tofeach Lat Piach, it all combines together to create that shear. But again, the places that don't have Tofeach Lat Piach are not even considered a liquid to begin with, so how do they combine? So he has a formulation of an answer, but I think the simpler way to say this is that according to Rab Chaim, this is a shear. Again, it's not that physically it's not a liquid, that would be less than Mashke Tofeach, like the Chazon Ish said. But this is considered a liquid, even if it's mashke tofeach, it just doesn't meet the shear in halacha. So for that, we can combine different areas together in order to get to the shear. If it would not be a liquid at all, so then it couldn't be combined. But in this case, it is physically a liquid. It just doesn't have the minimum measurement. So that's like anything in halacha. Even if there's a small amount that doesn't have the shear, we can combine them together in order to create the shear. So the same thing happens here.